as we get started. If you don't have a study guide, it'd be real helpful if you have one this morning. So if you don't have one, just put a hand up. If we can get some helpers to help get them to the back of the room, that would be great. So just keep your hand up if you don't have a study guide, and we'll get started here in just a second. While those are going back, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, you're just showing up today. That we're glad to have you. We're glad you're here. Uh, but you showed up right in the middle of a series on the local church. So for the past four or five weeks, as a church, as Grace Community Church, we've been isolating biblical topics week after week that pertain especially to the local church. And today we're going to dig into spiritual gifts and how they relate to the local church. So this is where we're at. This is what you showed up right in the middle of. Our text this morning will be 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you can go ahead and turn there. Now we would, read, we would usually read that at the very beginning, but this is a massive text. And so we're not going to do that on the front end. We're going to read it and unpack it as we study through it together this morning. Anybody left that doesn't have a study guide? Okay. Let's start our time this morning with prayer. And I say this almost every week. You don't have to wait until I invite you to pray to start calling out to God. Every time you hear His Word taught, to start calling out to God. God, speak to us. Holy Spirit, come speak to us. Come illumine Your Word to us. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to voice a prayer. But all over this room, the saints call out to God. God, speak. Teach us today. So let's pray. Lord, we come together this morning. And God, we just say the words of that song. We bow down to You, Lord Jesus, and we adore You. God, we love you today. We are in your presence and and this is our delight, Lord. We are satisfied in you, God, and we are surrounded by people that love you and we love them, Lord. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for the ability to gather together over and over. And we call out to you, God of grace, God of mercy. Lord, would you save this time from falling into futility this morning? God, would you come and would you speak to us in a powerful way from your word? Lord, we confess, God, that in our flesh, in in, in our sinful nature, Lord, it's impossible for us to know you rightly through your scriptures. And so we call out, Holy Spirit, come reveal yourself to us through your word. Come speak to us today. God, we pray that you would renew our minds this morning. God, we pray that you would edify us, instruct us, Lord, teach us how to think. And Lord, we pray that through this renewed mind, God, that you transform us, make us more like Jesus. Come speak to us today, Lord. God, kill unbelief among us, Lord. God, I just ask you to do that all over this room, God, that you would help us to put to death unbelief and help us to walk in confidence toward you, the living God. This is our prayer, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to split 1 Corinthians 12 almost in half. And we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. We're going to start our time together. I'm going to read this first, and then we're going to dive right in. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 4 through 11. Here we go. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. 
to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So hold your place. We are not going to Weirdsville this morning. Okay? Don't you're already tracking down the wrong road. Okay, let's let's start by laying something out. This is this is broad. You gotta get up really high. Okay? This passage, we're going to walk through a, a chapter in the Bible this morning that's going to nail down something. You need to nail this down in your soul that Jesus has gifted His church. Jesus has gifted His church. We are the gifted body of Christ. That should be the title that you see on your study guide this morning. And so here's where we've been. Okay, So far in this series as a local church, we know we got work to do. We talked about... We, every one of us need a concern for the whole, and we need to be immersed in building up the body of Christ. That was Ephesians chapter four, right? So we're supposed to be about this as a church. Even even last week, we uh, or two weeks ago, Hebrews chapter twelve. We're supposed to be pursuing holiness together. Okay, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be immersed in getting this gospel out to the ends of the earth. We got work to do all around us. We've been called to this work. Okay, so we've been looking at that in different directions over the past few weeks. But today, today we get to zero in that we don't come to this task empty-handed. We, don't, we, we are immersed and involved in the work and the ministry of Jesus. We got tools. We got gifts. Jesus has gifted His body. This is the main point here. Jesus gifts His body. Now, this is glorious grace from God. Okay, so you remember the, you remember the gospel. You preach it to yourself. Glorious grace from God. God, our God, He bleeds for His enemies. He, he paid the blood price. The matchless King of all paid the blood price for us. That would have been enough. But then, then God the judge adopts us into His family. And we become the sinners, the, the rebellious ones, become the sons of God. And that would have been enough. And then we come to passages like this and we find out that God just dumps out loads of gifts on His church. And so this is just another layer, another angle to where we look that God has richly blessed us in Jesus. We, we have received glorious grace, grace upon grace from Christ. So look around you, Grace Community Church. We are to be immersed in the work of Jesus, but we are a gifted body. We're a gifted body. So we're about to unpack this together and, and we're going to stick with this North Korea theme this morning. I want to I explain what I mean. As we unpack spiritual gifts today, I want you to think about this in the context of a military parade. Okay? And the best example I have of that is you see, you know, surely you've all seen these, right? Once a year, once every couple of years, you'll get a news clip from North Korea, and they're they're just rolling these massive missiles and all these soldiers are just rolling them right through the middle of Pyongyang. You've seen that? Everybody seen that? Okay, this is how we want to think about spiritual gifts, that we're to be immersed in this mission of God. We're to be immersed in the ministry of Jesus. But our God has blessed us. He's blessed us. We have weapons. We have tools. We have gifts. So you think about why in the world would, would, would North Korea uh, throw military parades? What's the point of that? What, what, what's supposed to happen? What's the takeaway from that? And the point of it is, as those huge missiles the size of buildings roll down these streets, the takeaway is, is 
we can do anything. Look at these gifts. Look at these weapons. Look at this of what we have. We're ready to go to war. And it's supposed to provoke fear in the enemy of North Korea. This is, the, this is a little example I, wanna, I want you to think about as we go through this. Now, Satan has done a masterful job of making spiritual gifts in the church about one of the most vague topics. There's so much controversy that you can't even get to clear teaching on spiritual gifts. This is what he's done. He has made them so vague that we, we almost don't even know what to do with them. And we're going to unpack this. We're going to walk through this military parade. Jesus has gifted His church. Jesus has richly gifted His church. And I want to hang out on that richly. We are abundantly, specifically, and richly gifted by Jesus. And so the takeaway today, from the very beginning, I want you to know the takeaway. The takeaway is that you would walk out of this room and in faith and in confidence that you would believe that. That I have been gifted by God to do the work of God. I don't come to the mission of Jesus and to the ministry of Jesus empty-handed. I got tools. I got weapons. This is what we're going after. We're going, we're going to look at the empowering of God. He has empowered us to do His work. So, first thing we're going to look at in verses 4 through 6. I want you to notice the rich diversity here. Jesus gifts His body and there is rich diversity. Rich diversity in 4 through 6. This reminds us that no gift, no spiritual gift is intended to be universal in the church. There's all kinds of gifts. There's all kinds of varieties. We're going uh, to see this in verse 4 through 6. Now, this idea that everybody needs the same gift, we're going to name that uniformity. Okay? That, that everybody's supposed to be the same, that's a, that's a satanic lie of uniformity. What we're going to see here is that God's plan is diversity. There are many gifts, many, many gifts. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. This is God's design. Variety is God's design. It's rooted in the Trinity itself. And you see that in verse 4 through 6. Notice that all three, uh, all three persons of the Godhead are mentioned in verse 4 through 6. Verse 4, you have a mention of the Spirit. Verse 5, you have a mention of the Lord. That's God the Son. That's Jesus. And then in verse 6, you have a mention of God. Now, that's God the Father. So this idea of one body, many gifts, springs from the Trinity itself, that we have one God in three persons. And what this means is that this idea of unity expressed in a diversity of gifts, this is beautiful because this mimics God. And this is powerful because this mimics God. So... Before we start unpacking 1 Corinthians 12, what we're going after as a local church is we want to grow in our hatred for uniformity. Any tendency in us that tends to rise up in the heart and that everybody's the same. Cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. We want to grow to hate that more and more. This is not the plan of God. And what we want to grow in more and more love is for diversity that God it's triune. He's three persons, yet one God. And in the same way, He's gifted His body with many gifts. And yet we're still one body. We're going to talk a lot about spiritual gifts today. So let's get a definition in our mind. Every time we say that, what do we think of? What do we think of when we think spiritual gifts? The Greek word for spiritual gifts is charisma. Anybody ever heard that before? The Greek word for spiritual gifts is charisma. Now that is important because there's a Greek word very close to that called charis, and that's the Greek word for grace. And this is very helpful when we come to the spiritual gifts because the first thing we know about them is they're undeserved. They're a grace gift from God. They're grace gifts. 
We don't deserve spiritual gifts. We don't work hard enough as Christians and God gifts us. This is not paying wages. These are grace gifts from God. Paul teaches us this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Listen to it. He says, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Did you catch that? He's the very least, but God gave him a grace gift to preach Jesus to the Gentiles. This is a spiritual gift. It's undeserved. You do not deserve the gifts that God has given you. So, let's press in a little bit more and hang some meat off this definition. That's helpful, but it's not, it's not real vivid. It's not real descriptive. But look at verses 4 through 6 in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You get three synonyms for the spiritual gifts in those verses. So in verse 4, they're called the gifts. In verse 5, they're called the services. In verse 6, they're called the activities. And in that activities in verse 6, that would be better translated as ability. Okay, so they are gifts, they're services, and they're abilities. So let's put all that together. Okay, and here we go. Here's the definition for spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is an undeserved ability or power given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving or ministering to others. I'll say that one more time. A spiritual gift is an undeserved ability or power given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving or ministering to others. Now, I want you to see that that is a really broad definition of a spiritual gift. And one of the problems that we have is that we were stripped them down to new, too narrow. So you see that this is, this is really broad. Any gift that you have, this is not a natural gift. This is a gift from God the Spirit. It's a power or ability to serve one another. These gifts are how God dispenses His grace. It's how He works through His people. Okay, That's a spiritual gift. Now, verse 7. Verse 7. Let's nail this down. Verse 7 teaches us that each and every Christian receives one or more spiritual gifts. Nail that down. Okay? Each and every Christian receives one or more spiritual gifts. And we need to just soak in that for a second. Because yes and amen that we are supposed to desire and pursue spiritual gifts, but that's not what that verse just said. It said to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what this means is that we're not chasing after God to do something. God already has done something in His church. God has gifted you. You are gifted in Jesus. Back that up to the, to the local church. We aren't just chasing after spiritual gifts. God has done something in this church. Each and every one of us have been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is done. This is done. We don't have to do anything to deserve this or merit it. This is done in Jesus for every single believer. So my question for you is, do you believe that? That is the plain teaching of verse 7. Do you believe, Christian in this room, that you have been specifically and uniquely gifted by God the Holy Spirit? Take that to the corporate level. What would it look like if we walked out of this room as a church full Every member in this church full of confidence that I have been gifted by God the Spirit to do the work of ministry in the name of Jesus. I have been gifted by my God. He hasn't left me empty-handed. You see the power that we, we go to war, we go to ministry with tools, with weapons, with gifts. Every single believer. So, I know that some of you don't feel gifted. I know that because I've heard you talk about it. I know that some of you haven't felt gifted for years. 
But here's what we just did. We cracked 1 Corinthians 12 open this morning. And we dialed in on verse 7. And that verse really does teach you that every single Christian has spiritual gifts. It really does teach that. So do you believe this? Do you believe that God has gifted you as a Christian? This is the plain teaching of this verse. And for this reason, this means that every Christian is a charismatic. Every Christian is a charismatic because every Christian has received charisma. Every single Christian has received the spiritual gifts of God the Spirit. Every single one. Okay? Don't, let, don't let people hijack biblical terms that make you feel like less of a Christian. Every Christian has been gifted by God the Spirit. We are a people, a local church that have been gifted by God. And the next thing you see in verse 7 is that the purpose of these gifts wouldn't that we would just walk around and beat our chest. I'm gifted. I'm gifted. I'm a gifted one of God. That's not the purpose of the gifts. They have a reason. There's intention of, of why God gives His church. And so in verse 7, we have a twofold reason for the spiritual gifts. And they are this. The spiritual gifts exalt God and the spiritual gifts edify others. They exalt God and they edify others. And you see both of those in verse 7. They, they reveal God. They're a manifestation of God. They exalt God. For the common good, for the edification of others. There's a twofold purpose. So let's unpack the first one. In verse 7, the gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. What does that mean? They show the Spirit. They show the Holy Spirit. They're a manifestation of the Holy Spirit at work in His church. He is present and He is working in His church. How do we know? We see Him through the gifts. They're a display, a revelation of God the Spirit. And for this, for this reason, they glorify God. When God is revealed, He is glorified. You see the living God is at work and He's exalted and He's glorified. Now what that means for us is that there's no room for self-glory when it comes to spiritual gifts. That's not the aim. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room for pride and beating the chest. The whole purpose is not to show that you are great. It's to show that the Spirit is great and He is working through His church. So according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, we are to use the gifts in such a way that God is glorified in everything. In everything we do, in all these gifts that we use, God is supposed to be glorified in everything. This is the first purpose of the spiritual gifts, to exalt God, to show God at work in your life, to display God the Spirit. So the second reason is to edify the church, and that's also in verse 7. They're given for the common good. And this is really, really, really helpful. The spiritual gifts, they're never meant to be practiced in isolation. They're never, they're, they're never meant to be practiced apart from others. It's not about me. It's about me serving in the name of Jesus, others, His body. So there's no such things as gifts functioning apart from the body of Jesus. Therefore, the common good. You see that in verse 7. So listen to this. When pursuing and practicing spiritual gifts, the focus is not on me and my gift but on others and how I can serve them in the name of Jesus. That is important. That is unbelievably important with spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. This, this is something that's, that's really good to nail down in your soul. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, tells us that before you were assigned a gift in the body of Christ, you were assigned a function. We don't all have the same function 
So God, our sovereign God, creates His body. He calls us together. And Jesus in Romans 12, 4 and 5 tells us that He assigns each of us a function and a role in the body. We have work to do. We have specific, unique work to do. Everybody doesn't have the same function. And then Romans 12 says, out of that function, God's, God equips you to do this work. He gifts you to, to, to do your function in the body. Do you see this? And so it's not about me and my gifts. It's how can I serve? How can I, how can I serve in the name of Jesus? How can I minister to His body? Now, this is very helpful when it comes to spiritual gifts. Because one of the biggest mistakes is what? What's my gift? What's my gift? What's my gift? What's my gift? I don't know what my gift is. What do, you, what do you think my gift is? What do you think my gift is? Do you notice the common denominator and all that? Me. Me. It's self-oriented. It's self-focused. But Romans 12 shifts it. Okay? So when the conversation about spiritual gifts turns from self-orientation to body orientation, I don't ask the question, what's my gift? I ask what question? Lord Jesus, open up a door and let me serve your body. How can I minister to your body, Lord Jesus? I'm focused on others. I'm not focused on my gift and myself. This is a powerful principle in spiritual gifts. This will keep you from from unhealthy navel-gazing, from going home and just staring at the mirror all day long. What's my gift? What's my gift? What's my gift? Okay? Spiritual gifts, write this down, spiritual gifts are never discovered by looking in the mirror They're discovered by serving in the name of Jesus, by serving the body in the name of Jesus. Spiritual gifts are never discovered by looking in a mirror. They are discovered by doing ministry in the name of Jesus. So you want to know your gifts. Do you want to know specifically how God has gifted you? And the answer to every Christian is yes, I want to know. I want to function in the way that I was intended to function. I want to to use my gifts for His glory. So here's what you do. You want to know that? Here's what you do. You leave this room with a fire in your bones. And the fire is, Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. Lord Jesus, I want to build up your body. And you immerse yourself in serving the body of Christ. And then over time, guess what happens? Your function is confirmed. Over time, guess what happens? Your gifting is confirmed. And things emerge in your life that God has uniquely done in your life that's helpful to His body. This is how you discover the gifts. You minister. You don't go home and have a pity party and and stare in the mirror. You you minister in the name of Jesus. This This is how you find your role and your function. God will confirm your gifts if you minister, if you if you make an effort to minister in his name. Everybody does not have the same gift. Verse 8 through 10. We're going to go over this so fast it's going to make your head spin. Verse 8 through 10 gives us examples of spiritual gifts. Okay? Now we already know from our definition that, 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 that spiritual gifts are very broad. Very broad. It's any ability that God the Spirit gives you to minister in Jesus' name to other people. That's, that's what a spiritual gift is. What we're going to see here is that this list is very specific. It is very narrow. Okay? And the, these are specific gifts of the Holy Spirit known as the sign gifts. Or many people refer to them as the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit because they vividly demonstrate just the immediate power and presence of God the Holy Spirit. So these are very specific gifts. These are very specific miraculous gifts of God the Holy Spirit. Now, because of two extreme views in the church, these have become very controversial in our day. And the extreme views are this. One is 
some people claim that God doesn't do this anymore. This, this in verse 8 through 10, this stopped, this ceased. That's known as cessationism. Okay? We, as a church, we do not hold to this position because we don't think it's in the Bible. We don't think that you can prove what you just said by using text in the Bible. Okay? So we reject that. That's, that's God doesn't do this anymore. And then the other extreme is that every church meeting should look like this. This should happen every time the saints gather. All these miraculous gifts should happen, these sign gifts. And we reject that because we're not very fond of telling God how often His miraculous gifts should function in His church. Okay? So we don't feel very comfortable telling God how often that these should function. So we reject both of those extremes. Okay? We reject both of those extremes with these miraculous gifts. And, and what we want to say is we believe that God does this. He's the living God. And more than giving Him permission, we rejoice that God does this. These are powerful demonstrations of the presence of God the Holy Spirit working among His people. He is the living God. These gifts glorify Him. Don't let charismania hijack biblical terms from you. You are a Christian. You own this. This is, this is truth for you. And so He is the living God, and we celebrate these gifts. Now, I, I had an awesome thought thinking about, man, we got, we got, all, we got over 100 believers in this room. Lord, there's no telling what you're going to do in the lives of these hundred believers. Did you know that God could use you in some of these ways in your life? Why? Because these are the grace gifts. These are the unmerited grace gifts that God gives His church. And so I want to encourage you with something. Don't let unbelief allow God from using you without setting limits. Don't set limits on what the living God can do if you trust Him. Even if that calls you to lay your Western rationalism on His supernatural altar. Y'all know that, right? That we have this fleshly tendency to explain away everything supernatural, everything miraculous. We want a rational explanation for it. And what we want to do when we see things like this is we want to come to God and surrender and say, Lord, use me however You will. Lord, if You would use me in this way, use me in this way, Lord. Verse 11 reminds us that these gifts are by the sovereign will of God. So you can't make God do anything in your life. They're by His sovereign will. Now, these miraculous gifts in verse 8 through 11, they are not the only... 8 through 10, they're not the only gifts. They're not the only gifts. In fact, there are many other gifts in the New Testament that are mentioned specifically as spiritual gifts. For example, these sign gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are very different if you were to go over to Romans chapter 12 and, lead a, and read a list of spiritual gifts in Romans 12, they are very different. There is not one gift mentioned in, Romans, in 1 Corinthians 12 that's not miraculous. Every single one of them are a sign gift, a miraculous gift. But in Romans 12, it's not like that. That list is very different. It says things like this, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, Acts of mercy. Does that list seem real different to you than 1 Corinthians 12? It seems much more, I don't have a better word, much more common today. Uh, these gifts are much more common today than, than 1 Corinthians type 12 type giftings. You see the difference there. One is, is 100% miraculous and one of them is not. They're much more common. So the question is why is this list in 1 Corinthians 12. Why every single one of these gifts miraculous? 
Why every single one of the gifts in that list is a sign gift? And to answer that question, you need to know something about what's going on in this letter. In the church in Corinth, things are going awire. Okay, they're, they are going bad. And it's specifically, one of, the, one of the things that's happening is they are out of control in their practice of spiritual gifts. And we're, we're going to dig into this more in a second. But those who practice the miraculous gifts, this is what happened in Corinth. Those who practice the miraculous gifts were exalting themselves above others that did not practice the miraculous gifts. I'm going to show you that from the text in a minute. So this list is here for a reason because something was happening bad with these miraculous gifts as they were trying to be practiced in this church. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 11. I'm going to throw this reminder on you one more time. You can desire spiritual gifts and you should. This is a commandment. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Desire and pursue them. Especially the ones that most edify the body of Jesus. But you cannot make God give you a spiritual gift. They are distributed according to His sovereign will. Not only the gift, but the portion. You see that in verse 11? So he determines the gift that you have and the strength of the gifting. This is all flows through his sovereign will. In Romans, 3, Romans 12, verse 2, says his will is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. And so God's sovereign will for, in the way that he gifts you is good, pleasing, and perfect for every Christian. Let's continue in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll pick it up in verse 12 and read through verse 26. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as He chose, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So 1 Corinthians 12 he just, he just made a transition. There was a swing and a hinge. And he was talking about spiritual gifts. And then in verse 12, he swings into this body metaphor. Okay, And what he's doing here is he's giving us a visual aid that shows us how these various giftings function together in a local church, in one body. 
So this is a visual aid for us. How, how do these gifted ones function in unity? This is how. This, this goes from talking about spiritual gifts to talking about the body. But the context is still spiritual gifts. Okay? Every time you hear member that we just read, the context of what that means is that you have a specific gift. And so what is a member according to 1 Corinthians 12? A gifted one that has a specific role and a specific function in the body. Okay? Then in verse 12 through 14, what does he do? What's the first thing he does? He starts bringing us in to what we have in common. He's about to talk about our differences and diversity. But the first thing he does is he brings us into unity and what we have in common in the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit, things about the Spirit, they have a tendency to produce division. But this is never intended to be because we are united in the Spirit. And this is what he teaches us in verses 12 through 14. We are people of the Spirit. Every single believer has been baptized in the Spirit and has drank of the Spirit. We are people of the Spirit together. Every single Christian is spiritual. There's not some that are kind of spiritual and some that are really spiritual. We are all people of the Spirit because we've been born of the Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit. We drink of the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us. Okay? The, the, the most immature to the, to the most mature, every single one of us are people of the Spirit. This is our unity. We are one in Jesus. We're people of the Spirit of God. Then we see that this unity that we have is to be expressed in a diversity of ways, the diversity of giftings. So the whole point of the member analogy is this idea that this unity that we have is one body, but it's expressed through many members, many, many giftings, many functions. This principle is foundational to the life of a church. I just want to say that. Like, we, we have to drive this down that the plan of God for Grace Community Church is not uniformity. It's not that everybody would have the same exact gifts. It's diversity. We are one in Jesus. Every single one of us are spiritual. This is expressed in a variety of ways in the local church. This is the foundation of body life together. That we share this oneness in common, but we are different. We, are, we have a variety of giftings. Now, Paul knows that this is foundational to the life of the local church. So he gives us, in verses 15 through 24, he gives us two deadly enemies of body life in local churches. These will take us down as a local church at Grace Community Church. What are they? What are the two enemies? They're the feelings of uselessness in the body and the feelings of self-sufficiency in the body. And you see those both in verses 15 through 24. Feelings of uselessness and feelings of self-sufficiency in the body. The first problem says, you don't need me or my gifts. That's the feelings of uselessness. You don't need me or my gifts. And you see that in verse 15. The other one is the feelings of self-sufficiency. And that one says, I don't need you or your gifts. And you see that in verse 21. You don't need me and I don't need you. That will destroy a local church. Destroy it. Now that's all in the context of the gifts, your role and your function in the body of Christ. Both of these views are produced because they reject diversity. You see that? We'll unpack it together. Both of these views reject diversity. And because they reject diversity, they will erode biblical unity in the local church. So, the lie of uselessness in the body. 
Now, some of you tell others you feel like this, and some of you feel like this and nobody knows about it. I feel useless in the body of Christ. Look how rich the Word of God is. He, he, knows, he knows our soul. He knows the questions that we have. He knows the feelings that we have. And so the Word of God is sufficient. And it slams us with verse 16. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Do you see that? Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That's the feelings of uselessness in the local church. Now first off, no Christian should ever say that you do not belong to the church of Jesus. I just want to come at this from the very beginning. That is a satanic lie that you have believed. You should never say that you don't belong to the body of Jesus. Be very careful of inner dialogue with yourself. You're, you're driving to work and you're allowing yourself to just go off and think. And you, you think these thoughts. I don't belong to the body. You need to come against that immediately. This is satanic in nature. You do belong to the body. You do belong to the body of Christ. You're wrong if you feel like you don't. You're wrong. Now, your feelings, they might be real, but they're not based in reality. They're not grounded on truth. And so you're out of sync with God's Word. You're wrong if you're a Christian and you think like, and you think and you feel that you don't belong to the body. Now, what would make someone think like this? I don't belong to the body. What would cause someone to think like that? Jealousy and coveting. Jealousy and coveting will produce this mindset. Verse 15 is an example of one person wishing he or she were another person in the body. Or wishing he or she had another person's gifts in the body. And because they're jealous and because they're coveting, it leaves them in this state. Well, I don't belong because I can't be an eye. You see that? You see how that just exposes the soul? This happens so often in churches, does it not? Who in this room has not battled off thoughts like this? This is a common temptation to man. This person thinks that the only way that they can be useful and significant to the local church is to become like someone else. This is a problem. Over time, that mindset will produce jealousy and coveting every single time. This is an unhealthy mindset in the local church and it will destroy our unity. It will destroy our unity. A Christian should never say, because I'm not like blank, I'm not part of the body. You insert someone's name in there if it applies to you. Or a Christian should never say, because I don't have blank gift, I'm not a part of the body. You ever experience thoughts like that? You should never talk like this because God's plan for His church is diversity. If you, if you walk in this mindset, you will be paralyzed as a believer. Because you'll constantly be looking at man and what man is doing instead of looking at the Lord Jesus and getting after the work that He has for you. It will paralyze you. And you will spend maybe years of your life just staring at man, trying to be like man, instead of pursuing the ministry and the work of the Lord Jesus. So I want to encourage you today, if this is you, you have to reject uniformity. You have to reject it outright as a satanic lie. And you have to embrace Diversity. You have to get your eyes off of man and you have to get your eyes onto Jesus and His plan for the church. His plan is diversity. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? You're not even thinking right when you think like that. When you think that we should all be the same. 
So if you're not happy with the gifts that you have been given, if you find yourself frequently with these thoughts in this mindset, the bottom line for you is a test of faith. Will you believe God? Will you believe, verse 7, will you believe to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit? Will you believe that His plan is best for your life? Will you believe that you have a function? Will you believe that you have a gift? And will you believe that God's plan for your life is best? Not yours, but His. And so there is no remedy for these feelings of uselessness unless you will believe God. There's no remedy for you. The only thing that you can do is that you can believe the Word of God. You are gifted. Every Christian, you are gifted. You have a place. Your role is important and necessary. And you have to get your eyes off a of man. The second error is the lie of self-sufficiency. And it's, it's described vividly in verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Hopefully this goes without saying No Christian should ever open their mouth to another Christian and say, I don't need you, you are worthless to me. You should never say that. Hopefully that's not a surprise to you. But I want to warn you about the inner dialogue of feeling these feelings, and even if it doesn't come out of your mouth, of that person, they have no value to me. They add nothing to me. I have no need of you. Not only should someone never say that, you should never feel it in your heart. So be careful of this. Be on guard against this. The Word of God just hits us again right where we need to hear it in our soul. We are tempted to do this. Now, these feelings, when they creep up and you think, I I, I could have about zero uses for that individual in my life. When those things creep up in your life, they might feel real. Your, Your anger or whatever it is towards that person, it might feel real, but it is not valid because it's not true. It's a lie. It's, it's out of sync with the reality of God's Word. So you have, to, you have to cut it down. You have to put it to death. And what should this person do? The same exact thing. You should reject uniformity in the body of Christ. Okay? The other person was trying to be like someone else, but you're trying to get everybody to be like you. So you've got to get your eyes off yourself and onto Christ that His plan for His church is diversity. Everybody's job is not to get on the U train. Everybody's job is to find out the ministry and the function that Jesus has given them. So you have to reject uniformity and embrace diversity. What would make someone talk like this in the local church? What would make you say, I don't need that brother. I don't need that sister. Pride. Verse 21 describes a person thinking they are better than more gifted than and above, supreme over other believers. That's pride. That's pride. Now, this uniformity uniformity lie from Satan that makes you think that everybody's supposed to be like you, it must be rejected. That will be a hard pill to swallow for someone walking in pride. You have to humble yourself and remind yourself of the plan of Jesus that everybody's job is not supposed to be like you. Jesus has intended diversity in His church. So these errors, these are errors of the Corinthian church, but they are so common. In, in, in every local church that I can think of, these are the errors. These are how to, how to destroy unity 101. One, you feel useless. Two, you, you feel self-sufficient in the body. And every time, they'll come against unity. 
Okay? In Corinth, this happened. Both errors, both of these errors produced a distorted view of diversity in the Corinthian church. Listen closely to this. This is what happened at Corinth. Their view of spiritual gifts was too restrictive. Their view of spiritual gifts was too restrictive. And what is, a, what is a view of spiritual gifts that's too restrictive? What does it do? It causes some gifts to be exalted above where they should be and some to be despised when they should never be despised. And so what happened at Corinth? Well, you have the list of miraculous gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Every single one of them, what happened? These gifts became super exalted in the church. And that if you had these gifts, you were uber spiritual. You were really spiritual if you had these gifts. And if you didn't, if you didn't walk in the miraculous gifts, you were despised. What, ha- what need do we have of you? Do you see that? It caused the ones who walked in the miraculous gifts to be prideful and the ones who didn't have the miraculous gifts to covet the miraculous gifts instead of perform their function in the body. This is the Corinthian error. This is the Corinthian error. It left the miraculously gifted in a position of perceived superiority. Perceived superiority. They weren't really. They were just perceived this way. And it left everyone else in verse 22. So what do you mean? Verse 22 that says that everyone else seemed weaker. Some seemed stronger. Some seemed weaker. This caused the weaker that seemed weaker to covet these miraculous gifts. This is what happens when we reject biblical diversity. If we refuse to embrace diversity in this church, we will have 10,000 problems that creep from that error. This is the mother of problems in spiritual unity. So be warned about this. The more noticeable, the more visible, the more public the gift, the more the tendency to covet, the more the tendency to exalt them as the truly spiritual ones. And the opposite of that is also true. The less noticeable... The less public gifts tend to be disregarded as less spiritual and worthless. I'll say that one more time. Be warned about this. The more public gifts tend to be coveted, the less public gifts tend to be disregarded. This is exactly what 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about in verses 23 and 24 when it says that some parts are unpresentable and some parts are presentable. Do you see that? Unpresentable parts and presentable parts. What's that talking about? Public and less public giftings in the church. You need to see that. You need to make that connection. There's some unpresentable parts in the body. That doesn't mean that you are to be locked in a closet somewhere. That means that your gifts and your function in the body of Jesus is less public. People don't see it as often. Some people in the body have a very public gift set. Very visible. Everybody sees them. These are the presentable parts in the body. Do you see this error in 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, the presentable parts were exalted and the unpresentable parts were disregarded. So the way this can happen, this is how it happened in Corinth. The ones with the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, exalted. The ones with the Romans 12 gifts, despised. And it produced what? Coveting and pride. How to kill a church 101. Now, surely, nothing would ever happen like that at Grace Community Church, right? Surely, nothing would ever happen like that at Grace Community Church. And the answer is, no sir, no ma'am. Yes, yes, it can 
happen at Grace Community Church, and we must resist this, okay? At this church, there are those who have a more public, more visible gift set. I want you to think about Ryan and I. High visibility service. We're leading the church week after week. We're teaching the Word, leading the flock. Okay, high visibility service gifts. This is our role. This is our function. You got Jake. You got Colby. You got Bryson. Stephanie, almost every week, they're leading us in worship. High visibility. Everybody sees them. They're, 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 their gifts and their function are public. We got girls leading girls' nights once a month. High visibility. Everybody sees them. They're teaching. They're leading. We got Bible study teachers. Every single week, they're rolling through and they're teaching the Word, teaching the Word. And they have a public gift set, a public one. High visibility. And if we're not very, very careful, what can happen is, is that these gifts and these functions become exalted at Grace Community Church. And what does it do? It leaves all the leaders feeling prideful and everybody else feeling worthless. How to destroy Unity 101. Okay, And what, what are we going to do? We're going to reject uniformity and we're going to embrace diversity. That we are one body in Jesus. We're one body in Jesus and God has given us many, many gifts. So according to verse 24, the Lord solved this problem by arranging His body in such a way that every single member is honored. Those who seem to have less honor, God arranged the body that every single member is honored. This is our goal at Grace Community Church, that every single member will be highly valued, will be highly honored. This is what it means to love one another well as a local church. You don't see yourself above anyone. We are together, various giftings, various functions, one body. We love one another well. This is what it means to have the same care for one another. And that's in verse 26. Every member is important. Every single member has a role. Every single member is significant in this body. This is the Word of God. This is not the opinion of man. This is the Word of God. This is God's safeguard against division in this church. That we are all one body. All gifted. All have a function. All have an important role. This is not just a nice thing to do. Okay? This is not go out of this room and it'd be really nice if y'all had the same care for one another and y'all love one another. It'd be really nice if y'all did this. No. This is necessary. You look across the room. You actually need other members of the body. If you don't believe that, go chop your hand off in the parking lot when you get done. You, that's, that, that is the visual aid. You need this body. This is not just a nice thing to do. This is necessary. We complement one another. We need one another. This is God's design. This is what it means to be the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Jesus Christ. There is no room for arrogance. There is no room for pride. There is no room for coveting. We are one body in Jesus. So I want to wrap this up. I want to give you four points of application as we finish. Number one, believe that you are gifted as a Christian. Number one, believe that you are gifted as a Christian. It's back in verse 7. To each, not to some, but to each was given. So I want us all to leave here today. We need a renewed mind that we as a church, we have a boatload of gifts from Jesus to do His work. A boatload. Each one of us has gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have been equipped to do the work of Christ. Like leaving a military parade. 
Just, just pretend about that in your mind. That I just left a military parade and Jesus strolled all these gifts out in front of us and said, this is yours in Christ. This is yours in Christ. I've gifted every single one of you. We are gifted in Jesus. Number two, desire more gifts. Number two, desire more gifts. It's 1 Corinthians 14.1. So, what we, what we mean when we say we leave here with this confidence that we're gifted in Jesus, we don't, we don't leave here as though we believe that we have everything that we will have until we hit the grave. 80, 90 years old. Okay? We are to desire God. God, work more among us. Pour out Your Spirit in Your church. Show more work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Desire more spiritual gifts. Desire them while not despising the ones that God has already given you. Desire more without despising the ones that God has already given you. Number three, take heed to these warnings in 1 Corinthians 12. Take heed to the warnings in 1 Corinthians 12. May God confront this church with these deadly enemies. And so, if you you feel like your gift set and your function in Grace Community Church is high visibility, more public gift set, May the Spirit of God humble you today and remind you that you are in no way, everything that you have is a gift from God. It's a grace gift from God. It's not tied in any way to your merit. So may you be humbled. You are never to think about yourself as above your brothers. And every single time you do, you embrace a satanic lie of uniformity instead of diverse gifts in God's body. And anyone here that thinks your gifts and your function at Grace Community Church, it's low visibility. And it's not very public. May you be encouraged today to get your mind off of other people. Get your eyes off of other people. You're not supposed to be looking at other people. You're not supposed to go home and feel insufficient because you can't stop thinking about ABC. Whoever that is. Get your eyes off of people because it will paralyze you. And so may you walk out of here freshly reminded, I have been gifted by Jesus. And you are to be getting after what Jesus has called you to do in this church. It'll never get done if you're sitting there staring at somebody else. You have to focus in on what God has called you to do. You have a gift. You are important. You have a function in this body. Every single believer. And then finally, number four. Use the gifts. Use the gifts. How sad would it be to walk out of a military parade... And, and to be so encouraged, I, I've been gifted by Jesus, been gifted by Jesus, and all you do is just talk about it. These things are to be used for the common good. And so I want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters in Jesus at Grace Community Church, go use the gifts. Go use your gifts. Go display God. Go manifest the Spirit of God's work in your life. Go build up the body of Christ. Go use them. First, Corinthians, First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Use them. You got a gift from God, use it as a steward of God's grace. Your gift is to be used. And that word stewardship is a reminder that you will give an account of what you have been given as a Christian. You will be held responsible for what you have been given as a Christian. There will be an accounting. There will be a record. Okay? As good stewards, go use these gifts in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the final word. In the power of the Holy Spirit, let's pour ourselves out. 
in service to Jesus. Let's build up the body of Christ. Let's use these gifts as good stewards of God's very grace. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing together. We're going to sing, We Are the Body of Christ. We're going to sing it to the praise of God's name. So let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You that Your Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we pray. We ask for spiritual fruit that lasts far beyond the next 20 minutes, the next hour. Lord, we ask that You would train us to, to think like You, Lord Jesus. We ask, Lord, that You would use Your Word today to renew our mind. And God, we pray. We do pray, Lord. We call out to You, God, to help us to use these gifts to Your glory and to magnify Your name among us. God, we pray that you cast down these false mindsets of uselessness and self-sufficiency. Lord, teach us to think like you. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.